Under the Cover Book Review, an Action Coach podcast, episode five. A book review of Top Dog, presented by John Asworth, with special guest Andy Bounds. Okay, so welcome everybody to this month's episode of Under the Covers, and today we've got a great, not only a great author, but a great speaker as well, Andy Bounds. Recently voted the UK's number one sales trainer, which I think is a really interesting um, title to be given, Andy, because whenever I've seen you speak and whenever I've, I've read your books, it's more about communication than anything else, but a lot of people put you in this sales bracket. Yeah, um, my, my job is to help people communicate better. You know, that, that's it. Um, but very often I've ended up being called towards salespeople because everyone's communication matters but salespeople are the ones who lose their job if it isn't very good. Uh, whereas if, you, if your manager's a bit boring, they're a bit boring, but they just keep being boring. Um, and so the, if you like, the forensic analysis that I do to help communication work in general is particularly useful for salespeople. So, yeah. Yeah, and all your books are uh, uh, really super simple to read as well. Today we're going to focus on um, your most recent book, Top Dog. I've got to say, it was that good. I bought it twice. Normally, I'm more of an audible kind of guy, but when I was re- I was listening to it whilst I was in the car a lot, and I thought, there's a lot of stuff that I need to actually get down, sit down, and, and read this through as well. So it's one of the very few books that I actually bought twice. Um, but I, obviously, you're well known for the books that you've done from the Jelly Effect, the Snowball Effect, and Top Dog as well. I mean, maybe the first question to ask you is. When did you get the writing book? When did you decide that you just didn't want to be a speaker and be in business? You also wanted to be an author as well. Um, it was a while ago. I was speaking to one of my uh, friends, a guy called Paul McGee. Um, you might have heard of him. He's the one who came up with Sumo, Shut Up and Move On. Um, a brilliant author in his own right, brilliant speaker. And I was talking to him and he said, when are you going to write a book? And I said, um, I'm not. Um, and he said, well, uh, you've got such good ideas. Um, it would be a really good, useful thing for you to do. It's another way for you to help people. And, and so that was, that was when it first went in my mind. Um, and then uh, Paul very generously introduced me to his publishers. We got on very well. Um, and then all of a sudden, six months later, we launched the book. And it, and it landed really well, the first one. I mean, it was kept off the Amazon number one spot by Harry Potter. You know, so if it wasn't for Harry Potter, I mean, what's that? Um, <laughs> then it would have been Amazon number one. But I, I've got this screenshot where we've got, Harry Potter at book uh, one and two, and we got my book at number three. So I, I, I think I prefer that to if it had been. Hey, you're in good company, Andy. You're in good company. Yeah, that's okay, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, more people have read Harry Potter. I don't think it was a small gap between them and me. <laughs> and, and so, and that's when it started, really. And then um, I, I was very pleased with the Jelly Effect. A lot of people said they found it very helpful. Um, but after five or six years, when you write a book, it's a funny thing. If you see a photograph of yourself five or six years ago. You see what you used to look like, but you know you look different now. Yeah. When you do a book, it's a great photograph of what your mind was doing five or six years ago, and yeah. you don't really get that very often. And I was having a quick look at, at the jelly effects a few years after writing it and thought, you know, I'm still really proud of it, but I just don't quite think that way anymore. It's not, no, um, I, I'm more advanced in my thinking. I think yeah. uh, I look at the same thing a slightly different way. So that prompted the snowball effect. Um, and then Top Dog, the final one, that came about because I was talking to um, a very good friend of mine and also um, like brilliant businessman, a guy called Richard Ruttle, works for Ernst & Young. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, and we just chatted and all of a sudden, six months later, we co-authored Top Dog. And so, and so that was it. I love, my job is basically to help people communicate better. 
And as long as I do that, I don't care what the mechanism is. So if it's, they read a book, that's helpful. If they see me at speak, that's helpful. If they come to a training event, that's helpful. But as long as they communicate better and they sell more, that's all I want. Yeah, and I think for the people listening and watching to this, we will get into top dog in a few minutes, but you bring up a really poignant point, which is, you know, communication is a critical thing in all walks of life, whether you're in sales, marketing, whether you're a manager, whether you're a leader, or whether you're none of the above. And often when we talk about communication, we, we're normally complaining about the communication we've received rather than spending time looking at the communication that you're giving out. If you were going to give anybody some advice about their communication and how to improve their communication pathways, what advice would you give? Um, great question. Uh, three things. Um, firstly, realize that you have to improve it. I think that's really important. As you say, most of us think everybody else is rubbish and I'm okay. Yeah. Well, that can't be right. I mean, if you ask virtually everyone, do you think you're above average at communicating? If you think of all the rubbish emails you get and the rubbish meetings you go to, do you think you're above average? And everyone goes, oh, yes, I think I'm above average. <laughs> well, we can't all be above average. Like half of us are worse than average. That's what an average is. You know, so, so the first thing is, you probably think you're above average, but half of us aren't. It's like the AA did um, a survey drivers in Ireland um, a few years ago, and they found that most Irish drivers think they're above average. Brilliant. Well, it's mathematically impossible. You know, half of us aren't. So first thing is to realize that, with respect, you're not quite as good as you think you are, and that's fine. You know, it's good. But number two and three is to do with the start and the end. Um, when you communicate, your start has got to be good or people don't engage. And that could be an email title has got to be interesting so people open the thing. Uh, you know, so if you call something FYI, that's not interesting. Um, if you invite someone to a meeting called Update, that's really not interesting. If you have a slide called Summary, that means you're probably going to repeat yourself. So these things we see all the time are not very interesting. So you've got to be interesting to start with. But then at the end, this is the final thing, at the end, you have to ask someone to do something or they won't. So the three things to get right with communication, number one, realize you need to improve. Number two, always start well with an engaging start. And number three, always end with a call to action. In other words, ask someone to do something. And as long as you get those three things right, you'll communicate better than the vast majority of people out there. It made me laugh just, just hearing what you just said there because uh, my ops manager came to see you talk um, in April last year at the Business Excellence Forum. And to say, and he won't mind me saying this, to say he's probably one of the most literal people I've ever met is, is an understatement. So when he, he heard you talk about the different headlines that you should be using in your emails, he, he like took that to a new level. So all these emails start with a really funny headline to make mm. you want to open the email to the most boring content you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> but no, he took that to a new example. I'll ping you a couple over so you can actually see what I'm talking about. But cool. yeah, I, think, I think more people started opening his emails after that, and I think he was a bit fed up that people weren't to start off with. So mm. there's three really good points. So let's get back. Get, let's get to the book now, Andy. So Top Dog. This was written a couple of years ago now, so it's a couple of years in in print. Mm-hmm. Let's talk to to the people that are watching and and are going to be listening to this on the podcast as well. What type of person should buy this book? It's easy to say everybody should buy it. But what's the core demographic that you're aiming to educate with the book? So the core demographic is um, people who regularly speak to people who they think are very important. So, um, for example, it might be a salesperson who regularly has to go and um, speak to very big customers 
Yeah. It might be someone who has suddenly got promoted and they're now talking to people who were their boss last week and now they're supposed to be their peer rather than you know, their, their, their boss. So anyone who regularly speaks to someone who it's very easy to put the other person on, on a pedestal. So for example, I, I've seen plenty of salespeople go up to CEOs of large companies and say, uh, thank you for sparing the time. I know how busy you are, but as I'm here, can I just tell you about this? And I've prepared 30 slides that you didn't ask for anyway. And basically what's happening is they're inside, they feel the other person's the top dog. And because on the inside, they think the other person's the top dog, their outside betrays that. So therefore they say, you're more important than me. Thank you for sparing the time. So they start off by putting the other person on a pedestal. And when you do that, it sets the dynamic of inequality. And if you start with the dynamic of inequality, firstly, you never really express yourself properly. But from the other person's point of view, they don't want someone deferential. They want someone valuable. So they don't want you to say, thank you for seeing me. They want you to say, I've got something you'll find helpful. I love that. I absolutely love that. So again, not just for the sales professional, but people that are maybe moving up the, the, the management ladder as well and are communicating with, like you said, peer-to-peer instead of um, communicating to your boss. And what should they expect from, from reading the book? Well, at the end of it, um, they will become a top dog themselves. So when you're going, if you think you're here and you're speaking to someone here, the great thing about the book is you will begin to think and therefore speak here. So it's not that you bring them down to your level. They are still top dogs, but you become one. So next time, instead of saying, thank you for sparing the time, aren't I lucky to be here? You now say, I've been looking forward to our meeting. I found a couple of things you might find useful. And so straight away, this person's going, oh, I'm glad you're here, rather than you can run and go and talk to my junior. Absolutely. Well, that's a really really good point as well. And I think a, a core focus of this book is based on influence, not just communication. What would That's you right, say, yeah. What would you say the differences are from good communication to good influence? What's the difference in your opinion? Well, influence is a subset of communication. Influence is just trying to persuade someone to do what you want um, in a way that makes both you and them happy. So it's not manipulatory. It's not horrible. Also, it's not bullying. It's not coercive. And um, what it is, is you say stuff and people go, yeah, all right, I'm happy to do that. And that's what I mean by influence. Now, communication could be anything. You could be sending an FYI email. It's not, I mean, don't because it's boring, um, but it's not an influence thing that. So communication is anytime you say something to someone else, influence is a subset where you're trying to get someone to do what you want. Uh, and we'll post some links at the bottom of the podcast as well, I mean, So we'll also post some links to the jelly effect and the snowball effect as well because if you're serious about improving the communication, whether it's as a leader, whether that's in marketing, whether that's in sales, whether that's in whatever field you're in, it would be a good idea to buy all three of them and read all three. Oh, I think so. Probably buy 10 of all three. <laughs> that's also an option as well. I don't know whether you've influenced me to do that or not, Andy, just yet. I'm not, I'll see towards the end. Um, so talk us through the chapters in Top Dog then. Talk us through the journey of where we start off and, and where it ends up. Obviously, we end okay. up... Top Dog ourselves, but what's the journey of the book? Right. So the journey of the book is, let's say we use the example of someone who um, has to make some sales sometimes. Right. Well, if you have to make some sales everybody, sometimes, you say again? That's everybody, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. So you have to say, if you want your teenagers to tidy your bedroom, that's a pretty yeah, tricky sell. Yep. Um, so basically what has to happen, if you think of sales as having four words, open doors, close sales. 
So the book takes you through, number one, how you open doors. So how do you actually even get noticed by this top dog? And how do you do it in a way that was a peer-to-peer? So the book starts off with, this is how you get access to them. This is how you get heard amongst the noise. This is how you come across as useful straight away. Um, This is how you use your contacts to introduce you to these people and so on. So the book starts off assuming you don't know the top dog. Now, if you already know them, bypass the first few chapters and go straight to chapter four, because chapter four is, and this is what to say when you're in front of them. Yep. And so the book says, this is how you get in front of them. This is how you impress them in meeting one. Um, This is how you make sure meeting one leads to meeting two. This is what you do in meeting two to stay interesting. If they then say, can you do some sort of proposal or business case? This is how you write that. Then a very popular chapter is, and if they then say, can you do a presentation? Well, this is how to make sure you're interesting, um, captivating, impressive, that you're not too nervous and all these sorts of things. And then the final chapter is actually my favorite one. I don't think it's anybody else's favorite one, but I really love it. And the reason I think it's my favorite one is because it talks about, with communication, you do it all the time. So you want to get into really good habits. So if you like, you could look at the early chapters as try this, it will help. Try this, it has helped. But the final chapter says, and this is how you absorb it into your daily life. So the next time you send an email without thinking, it just comes out right. You know, like you said before about your ops director, he writes emails now without thinking. They just come out right. And so the final chapter says, this is how you permanently become a top dog rather than just do it for two days after you read the book and then forget it. I think what I really liked about it, Andy, is because most of the books that I'll read, I'll always leave with something, right? So I'll always leave, oh, that was a really good message to take out. I can adapt that and I I can use that in my daily routine. And I read a lot of sales books. And most of them are focused on conversion, right? So how we can get more people to buy more stuff. Yeah. I think you undersold the first three chapters because even if you're good at opening doors, I would convince, uh, I would su- suggest that I'm pretty good at opening doors. But there was at least three or four techniques in those first three chapters that would help me open more doors. Yeah. Uh, things that I weren't, wasn't doing before that would enable me to open more of the right type of doors as well. And the book itself, in my opinion, goes through three things. Mm-hmm. Helps you, one, open more doors, so generate more of the right type of leads. Yeah. The second thing was it, it helps me convert at a higher percentage rate for the people that I want to communicate with. Yeah. Moved me up the ladder of the people as well, so it wasn't just about opening any door. It was about opening the right door. So instead of one-to-one, it was one-to-many, which is a gate, which is a door that I've been wanting to open for a while. But the key thing, and you don't, I think it's sort of hidden messages in in the book, but it also tells you how to keep those types of customers as well. Because because you're communicating at such a high level, it helps you with retention as well. And there's not many many books on the market that will show you how to open more doors, convert convert those, and keep them as well. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm glad you picked that up. Um, I mean, if you think of sales as being three numbers, the three numbers you said there are number one, the number of people you see, number two, times how many of them you convert, times how many of them you get to buy more stuff. Correct. And how long you can retain them for as well. Absolutely. And and that's that's what it is. And so if you want to increase your sales by 10%, you could get better at one of those three by 10%. And the easiest one to get better at is the final one because they're already buying from you anyway. 
So, I mean, it's a bit like if you think of sales as being a bath of water, the easiest way to get your bath full of water is to put the plug in yeah, and yeah. stop easy water falling out. Um, and it's easier to turn on a tap you've already turned on before. So my favorite sales, do I call it sales? Do I call it technique? I'm not sure. Do I call it customer care? I don't know. My favorite thing to do is every now and again, every few weeks to ring all my customers and say, hi, how are you doing? And then ask, is there anything else you want me to help with? This is my favorite sales technique. And what happens is, as a minimum, you retain the client because I give a toss. I'm ringing them for no reason. I'm just ringing to ask if they're okay. Um, uh, and then if I say, how else can I help you? They'll either say, you can, Andy, or you can't, Andy. Nobody has ever said, how dare you ask? I'm no longer retaining you as my communication consultant. How dare you pick up the phone and speak to me? Yeah, exactly. How dare you? Care? Now, th it's interesting because we all know we should keep in contact with clients. And if I say to the whole world, are you above average? And everyone says yes. Well, half of us aren't. And what often happens is we keep contact with our clients by getting in contact with them when something triggers it. So I used to have a bank manager who would ring me every month. And every single time he rung me, he would always try and sell me a new financial product. Hence why he used to be my bank manager. <laughs> so the thing that prompted him, I imagine his boss had said, you need to sell more life insurance. So he'd ring me up and say, do you want that? And then the next month, his boss would say, you need to sell more of this, ring him up. And so every single time I looked at the phone, I thought, oh my word, John is ringing. I am one minute away from a sales pitch. So if you only ring your clients when something kicks off, what do they look at when they see your name on the phone? Do they think, oh, good, Andy's ringing? Or do they think, oh, God, Andy's ringing? Yeah. So a very simple thing to do, and we talk about this in the book, is just get into a regular habit of, let's say there are some people you should speak to once a month. We'll have a diary entry called Ring My Monthlies. And then let's say there are 10 people you should ring every month. Well, you just ring them every month. It's as simple as that. You have a recurring diary entry every month that says, ring your monthlies, and every week that says, ring your weeklies. And you just can't help but retain business by doing nothing other than ringing up your mates and saying, are you okay? Yeah, it's, it's really, really important. That I did a talk a couple of months back called Old, Old School is New School because we're so focused on what the new digital marketing strategy is. How can I get my Infusionsoft working to catch more leads rather yeah. than um, and one of the things I teach is sending somebody a handwritten thank you card. Nice and simple. Thanks ever so much for buying X, Y, and Z for me. I hope it was useful. If you ever need me, here are my contact details. And just getting that sent out to somebody and just doing that five times a week to your top yeah. customers. And just yeah. picking the phone up and seeing how they are. Or when you're driving past, popping in and mm -hmm. saying, hi, how are you? As some of the basic, not only customer service techniques, but also sales techniques as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous people don't do it, but they don't, you know, they don't. But we're all above average, right, aren't we? Yeah, it's a relief, aren't it? Yeah, hopefully I'm above average too. Maybe <laughs> below average, but we'll see. Well, uh, so, look, I know, I know you are uh, really busy, so I do appreciate you putting the time aside to speak to us today, Andy. And for those of you that are uh, listening and watching, make sure that you go and get at least Top Dog, ideally all three. We will put a link below to uh, get all three of them as well. So Andy Bams, thank you very much for being under the covers with me today. You're wonderful. It's been a very lovely thing to be under the covers with you, John. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. All the best, mate. All the best.